Man, it's great to be here with you, Summit Point. Great to be worshiping online with you today. And, uh, and we're launching into a new sermon series today, Hope That Heals. Hope That Heals. Can't wait to be diving into this week after week, looking at what it means to gather in real, biblical, God-honoring hope right? And uh, before we jump into that today, just want to give a quick shout out. Hey, shout out to Harvest Decatur. Great to have you joining with us today. And I uh, love you guys. We've been praying for you guys. And, and uh, I'm just telling you, uh, so love Pastor Tony and his wife, Sonia. My wife and I know them well. And uh, just a quick shout out to you guys. I know you're taking this sermon. You're going to use it in your service. So welcome. Great to have you with us. May God get all the glory. All right. That said, as we're diving into this new series, Hope That Heals, man, this has been some crazy times. And with all that's going on, we've got people that are wrestling with different anxiety levels that start rising up, right? Or depressions that start blowing in like a dark storm front, right? This cloud that just settles in. And uh, and we start to wrestle with the day-to-days and the abnormals. There's no rhythm. And what does it mean to do what I'm doing tomorrow? What's happening? And the next thing of changes coming with job or whatever. And, and all of a sudden, it starts to cause us to get a little unsettled. Man, I've heard so many people wrestling. And so this series is all about hope. But please hear me. We can try to place our hope in anything, right? It's not just put your hope somewhere, have some kind of hope. It's biblical hope. It's God-honoring hope. It's Lord, may I see you work. Maybe let's put it this way. I'm going to use a word you don't want to hear, but I'm going to use this word. Ready? It's the vaccine. Now you know I may not want to use that word, right? It's the vaccine for healing the hurt within our soul as we long for our God to do a work right here and right now hope. And uh, there is a vaccine for a heart that is drifting into fear, for a heart that is drifting into despair. And it is hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen. And don't miss that uptake one more time. And all of God's people said, amen. So we're diving in. We're going to look at different facets of hope each week. Today, we're looking at how do we go after a hope that helps when I am overwhelmed? A hope that he is for me. A hope that he is for me. So turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to dive in. Isaiah chapter 43, looking at a hope that he is for me. May God do a work in my heart today. And me handling those moments of being overwhelmed. How do I go after it? Point number one. In the face of trials, remember, your God is with you. In the face of trials, remember, your God is with you. He is with you. You are not alone. And as we dive into Isaiah chapter 43, always good whenever you're jumping into a passage to know the context a little bit, right? So the context as we jump into Isaiah 43, just Isaiah 42 is good to know what it's saying at the end. And Israel, man, they've been wrestling with sin. They've been wrestling with being self-absorbed. They've been doing their own thing. They've been going their own way. And as they've been going after that, it actually says that God and his mighty anger, his righteous anger towards them was bringing in struggle and heartache. He was walking them through and out of their sin, but he was bringing this discipline, if you will, 
into their lives. They were struggling because of their sin and their heartache. Now we jump in to Isaiah 43 verse 1. Don't miss it. They have been standing and rebelling against God. And yet here is God's answer. Isaiah 43 starting in verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. I'm just going to hold right there. In the midst of their sin, Isaiah 43 starts out, but now. Because God doesn't call it done the moment we fail and pull away from him. The moment we have a heartache or an anxiety we shouldn't have. The moment we let a depression wash in that we shouldn't have. The moment we let the circumstances of this world seem bigger than our God. And all of a sudden we go off into our own selfish, sinful moment. That's not the end of the story, man. God doing a great work with us. It says, but now. The Lord making a declaration. It says, the Lord, capital L, capital O. Capital R, capital D, right? We say this all the time around Summit Point, but it is in all caps in the Old Testament whenever the personal name of God is used, Yahweh. And so whenever you see that in the Old Testament, all capped L-O-R-D, it's the personal name of God, Yahweh, the I am. It says, but now thus says the great I am, he who created, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. This is a promise now to the nation of Israel. And let's not miss that. This is God very specifically talking to Israel and how he was going to work with them in their time frame. They were about ready to go into exile and there was going to be this massive struggle in Babylon. They were going to be coming back out of that and we'll see that in the passage today. This is talking to Israel, but know this man, this speaks to the character of God. Everybody just say character right where you are. Character. I know you probably missed the uptake. Say it louder, say it bigger. Character. Man, this speaks to the character of God. This is how he treats those he loves. So we as believers, we can cling to this with all we've got. This is who our king is. And this is how he's going to work with us as we trust in him through Jesus Christ as well. We can learn from his character here. The God who is the God of Israel said this, fear not. Those are the first two words out of God's mouth. He's like, I know where you're headed. I know the heartache you're going into. I know some of the struggle you're going to be in. I know the exile that's coming. Hear me. Fear not. Man, as you hear the descriptions of all that could happen, don't look at those circumstances. Don't worry and fret. Look to me. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And uh, Fear. I just wrote a couple of phrases down this week as I, as I was thinking this through. Uh, First phrase, fear occurs when we focus on the threat, buying in to its predictions and its possibilities. Fear occurs when we focus on the threat. And we're buying in to its predictions and its possibilities. We're looking at all that could go wrong and we begin to explore what if. Right? And what if that happened? And what if it goes down like this? This could really wash on my shore in a bad way. And the more we begin to stare at the circumstances, at the risks, at the threats, at the possibilities, fear starts rising up. And remember, we often say this around here as well. High fear will bring high control. High fear will bring high control. That's just the way our heart tends to work. The more we begin to look at something and panic, the more we start to reach in and try to manage it ourselves. 
And the more we're fearing, the more we're going to control, the more we start pressing down on other people with our words, the more we start doing things out of action to manipulate. We're trying to either get God to move or get someone else to move. We're trying to alleviate the pressure of the circumstance. I fear it'll bring high control and it'll usually walk us into a heart of sinfulness in so many different ways as our anxieties begin to rule the day. And God's like, fear not. Why? He's not just telling them, dude, don't do that. That's not it. He gives them a reason after it. He says, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He's like, don't miss this. I am asking you to grasp this in the midst of whatever broken circumstances you're looking at, in the midst of all the junk that what if could wash on your shore. Hear me. I am doing an amazing work in your life. I have purpose and I have plan. I have redeemed you. I have bought you. I have purchased you. As he was talking to Israel, he's like, I've redeemed you. I bought you up out of Egypt with salvation. I've been working with you as a nation. For us as believers, he has bought us with the cross of Christ and the work that Jesus has done. We are redeemed. We are his. And all of God's people said, man, man, fear not. God calls you mine. It's like, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to do things in your life that you would not believe. Hang on. I have redeemed you and you are mine. And that is with purpose. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The promise that we are his is that we are not alone. Whatever tough circumstance you're going through, man, just think of it right now. What is the toughest circumstance you're facing today, maybe this week, this month? Toughest circumstance. And if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, hear me. You are not alone. He is with you. He is with you. Notice it says, as you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Here's what he did not say. Fear not. I will never let any raging waters come towards you. Fear not, there will never be a storm. There will never be any heartache. He's not saying, everybody say not, right? He's not saying that. He's saying in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the storms, I am not leaving you alone. I am right here with you and I am doing something amazing. Hang on. I am with you in the midst of the waters. God present in a powerful way. It says, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And they get pretty high sometimes. And when we start staring at the water and we start seeing it rising up, we may even start to say, God, it's looking pretty high. Oh, Lord, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. Can you do something about this? And please hear me, your God bringing a promise. I'm telling you in the midst of this world, he is bringing you through something as he walks with you, with you in this broken world. And we all know this world is broken. Everybody just say, it's broken. And we all know that this world is short and temporary. But know this, God is working in our hearts. He is walking us through circumstances and he is leading us on to eternity. May he get all the glory. God has a plan and he's walking us through the waters. He's walking us through the rivers and he's like, hang on. I'm gonna be with you in those raging storm moments. And please hear me, you are not alone. Hope. 
hope in your God with you. He says, when you go through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Now he switches metaphors and he's over into fire and flame and he's like, you can be walking through it and it won't burn you. Hang on, I'm going to be there. It doesn't mean it won't be hot, but it does mean that he's going to protect and provide through that journey. Man, are you willing to hope in your God? Step by step, day by day, struggle by struggle, maybe even threat of loss by threat of loss, maybe homeschool moment by homeschool moment, my God is with me right here. You are not alone. He says, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. He's talking to the nation Israel and he's like, remember when I brought you out of Egypt. Remember the plan and the Passover lamb that was a replacement so that your little ones would survive. And we escaped out, you as a nation coming out of Egypt. But then he mentions Cush and Seba. And there's a lot of discussion about what this means, but most likely this is God referring to what he will be doing in the fullness of what was coming in the next several hundred years. Egypt was going to pay the price, man. They were going under Persia. They were going to lose their reign, their kingdom. And he's like, just so you understand, I am freeing you. I am releasing you. I am doing an amazing work. Our God takes a stand with us as we take a stand with him. And as we believe in him, as we long for him, as we trust him as Savior, Lord, please hear me. And God absolutely takes a stand against our enemies. And he's walking with us through this journey, protecting and providing along the way, and yet allowing us to go through struggle that we might grow. Everybody just say, God has a plan. And that's what we're supposed to get out of this. God has a plan and we need to stand with him not against him. May we grasp that truth along the way. He says, why? Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Just let that settle. This is God talking to Israel. This is the heart of God towards all those who believe and trust in him. We're told in Romans 8, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. God is like, you are precious I honor you and I love you. And God is actively invested into your life as he is bringing you through the raging waters, through the fires. He is walking you through what may be causing anxieties or depressions in the moment, but hang on. Your God is doing something amazing in the midst. He loves you. He looks to you and he says, you are precious. I love you. And just right where you are, just say this out loud. My God loves me. And say it louder, say it bigger. My God loves me. Right? Louder and bigger yet, talking to your own soul. My God loves me. And he says, you are precious. You are honored. And I love you. I am right here with you. Hang on. He says, 
I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, I will gather you. He's like, just so we're clear, I know that there is something coming up. There is a dispersing going on of the nation and you are being spread out. You're being taken captive, but man, there is going to be a regathering. And I'm sure in part, he's talking here to the regathering that'll come as the end of Babylonian captivity ends and the exile comes to an end and these guys are able to come back together. But more than that, he's talking for all eternity as he gathers together ultimately and finally all of the nation of Israel that are believing in him as Savior and Lord Messiah. And yes, for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, there's going to be a massive in-gathering and there's going to be a pulling together and a celebration This broken world is going to be done and our king will reign forever. And all of God's people said, amen, man, don't miss it. This is a massive hope that our God is doing a gathering together. Yes, of the nation of Israel here. And then he even goes on and he says, fear not for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the West. I will gather you. I will say to the North, give up. I will say to the South the same. Do not withhold Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, just right where you are, just saying, dude, that's me. Everyone who is called by my name. And as we trust in Jesus Christ, as we long for our God, this is his character. As he's doing an ingathering of Israel, yes, in the near term there. And yes, eternally as he rallies together all those that trust in Jesus Christ as Messiah, Savior, King, the one who died on the cross for us. It says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Know this, we have a purpose. And all too often we live our purpose out saying, my purpose is my comfort. My purpose is my feel good. My purpose is my achieving more, my accumulating more, whatever words we fill in and it has a lot to do with me, right? And that's not it. My purpose is God's glory. And man, we'll understand a lot more what God is doing in our life as we begin to wrestle through a worship of him, no matter what's going on circumstantially, my God is with me. I am not alone. He calls me precious. He adores and honors and loves in my God right here with me. May God get the glory. And this really comes down to trust, right? And uh, have you ever heard of the trust triangle, right? Three pieces to it, right? The trust triangle, it, it has to do with understanding that this person you're talking with, that they know what they're talking about, knowledge, But more than knowledge, it's also that they have some power, some ability. They've got some ability to affect this. And so they know what they're talking about. They've got the ability to do it. But more than that, they also care. They're going to reach in. Maybe they love you. Maybe they just have an integrity to their job, but they care. When those three things are in play, our trust rises. As we see that they know what they're talking about, they're ready to lean in and they can make an impact. And they care along the way. That's the triangle of trust. And uh, And God's saying, trust me. I know exactly what I'm doing. Imagine if you were going in for a surgery and uh, maybe it's some really complex surgery. Well, you've got some intense brain surgery going on. And I'm like, don't worry about it. 
I got this awesome CPA, you know, certified public accountant. I'm going to send him in the room with you. Don't worry about it. You're not alone. I got this great CPA. He'll be with you. It would be fair for you to say, so what? (laughs) Why does that matter? The answer is he doesn't know what he's talking about in this area. The answer is he can't do anything about this. And why would I trust in that? The answer is very true. That's not what we're talking about here. We're saying trust because you do not have a CPA in the middle of a brain surgery. You have your God, creator, sustainer, provider. He loves you. He is pouring it on with all he's got. There is no one with more knowledge. He knows all. He can do all. And he loves you with all he's got. Trust him. Hope. And that's what it looks like. As we hope in the God who is right here with us. You are not alone. And all of God's people said, Amen. How are you doing at hoping in these down moments? How are you doing at setting your life into the hands of the one who says, I love you. I am with you. Are you ready to let his voice speak in the middle of the heartaches? Point number two. Point number two. It says, Place your hope in your God who makes all things new. Place your hope in your God who makes all things new. And uh, we're just going to jump ahead. We're going to jump to verse 16 here and uh, be able to plow into this portion of the passage and the hope that is given here. Starting in verse 16, it says, Thus says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? The personal name of Yahweh. This is God giving his personal name. He just got done in the prior verses saying, I I love you. You are precious to me. Now he's like, here is my personal name. Know this. This is what I have to say. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. He makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. What does it mean that God is with me? What does it mean that he cares about me? What does it mean that he loves me? This is what it means. He's not leaving you alone. He is giving a confidence to your soul as he pours in. But more than that, he is making a way in the very unclear waters. God guiding in the midst. God with me means he's giving me understanding of where I should be headed. It doesn't mean I see every step along the way. It doesn't mean he's given me the next 19 steps, but he's giving me the next one so that I can lean on him and trust in him and step with him. And the mist clears back just one step. Our God in the mighty waters, giving us a way that we might know where to go, a path in the middle. In fact, Proverbs chapters, uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Right? It starts out, I love this, it starts out with a not. Because it's the one we always do. Lean not on your own understanding. We always start out and we're like, I'm going to try to understand it and do it all myself. And if I can get that down, then I'm just good. Right? That's kind of our, our lame worship walk. We're like, if I can figure it out, I'll do it. If I can't, then I start praying. 
And uh, that's an epic fail mistake. And he's like, don't do that. Lean not on your own understanding. And don't try to find your own way through those murky waters. May you count on your God, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Recognize that he is God, that he knows all, that he can do all, and that he loves you like you would not believe. I can trust you, Lord. Acknowledge him. And then he will guide or direct your paths. Literally, it has the sense of making your path straight through. He's giving you an understanding of where to head and what to do and where to go. Your God working with you in whatever your personal circumstances or struggles, one breath at a time, giving you that hope. Everybody just say hope. And he gives us hope as he works with us in the dark moments. It says, who brings chariots and horse. He is literally bringing the warring tribes. Chariots and horses and armies and warriors. They lie down. They cannot rise and they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. He's like, just so you understand, your God is battling for you. Your God is coming on your behalf. Please hear me. Don't misunderstand that. It is so easy to hear. My God is battling on my behalf. So... I should never have any struggles. That's not what it means. It means we're going to be walking through the high waters. It means we might be walking through some flames, but he's doing something in the midst, God with us, and he is giving us a path. He is giving us various levels of protection in that. Your God on your behalf and whoever takes a stand against you or your God will deal with your God. And all of God's people said, and don't miss that. In these times where your faith may be pressed in on either personally, publicly, maybe even governmentally, know this, our God on our behalf and we are leaning with him. May we long for him to show us the steps one step at a time. And may we be wise to that. Our God on our behalf, hope. May God get all the glory. And uh, it says he quenches them like a wick. I love when in the Old Testament, there's the illustrative usages, right? Like wick. You can just picture this little candle and a little flame on top and it's flickering. And God comes up and he goes, and it's out. Like that's how easily our God handles our problems. And it's out. Are you ready to put your problems in the hand of the God who can put it out like a flame on a wick? And you just lean on him and say, Lord God, your timing, your will, your way, your method. But I long for this flame to go out on this wick. May you get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and that's hope. We serve the God who can put it out like a flame on a wick. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Isn't it so easy for us to look back and think of all the ways we failed? I mean, this is Isaiah chapter 43. In Isaiah 42, the number of different sins and sin attitudes were being reviewed and, and all the mistakes that they had. They could easily look at the promises of Isaiah 43 and say words like, yeah, but I so blew it yesterday or last week or last month or last year or last decade. Like I haven't been living for my God and so... Maybe my God is not living for me then. And we start listening to a rhetoric in our head that says, there's no hope because I sinned 
in this area. Man, be careful. That is not the words of God. That is the words from the pit of hell. And our God brings this hope in the middle of all the sin, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now the Lord says, know this, your God is doing a miracle healing work, a miracle forgiving work, and he is walking you one hopeful step at a time. He is teaching you to begin to hope in a new, fresh way. You're like, I haven't been hoping very well in these last eight weeks. Well, maybe tomorrow is time to start a fresh start. Hoping in your king. Handing the circumstances to him. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about last week. Don't worry about the last couple of months. Today and tomorrow we're giving to our God. May he get all the glory, hope. May we not remember the things of old. May we not remember the former things and the way we were. He says, behold, behold. And when we see that word, we say, right, check it out. We say that at some point all the time. When we see the word behold, we say, check it out. Why? Because this is God saying, grasp this. Look at this. Literally, it means take a close look at this. Behold. God is saying, check this out. You look what I am doing God says, don't look back at the things of old. Behold, check it out. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I am doing a new thing. I am doing this amazing, transformative, life-altering thing in your life. Behold, man, be in awe that your God is moving miraculously in your life in little ways in subtle ways, or maybe in massive ways, God moving. You know, this scripture passage written in the Hebrew, but when it got translated over to uh, the Greek, that's called the Septuagint, when it got translated over to the Greek, they actually used a word there. There's two different words for the word new. And the word they used here was new in a different way. New in a fresh way. New in a way that will blow your mind. It's not reiterating the other thing, just kind of restarting. It's new in a different and mind-blowing way. This is a huge hope that we have God working in our lives. He's taking our broken, sinful, selfish heart and he's healing us and transforming us one degree of glory at a time. He is literally teaching us to endure in the middle of suffering. He is showing us to be able to face the heartache and look to our God, maybe with tears in our eyes, maybe with a smile on our face, as we can say, God, you've got this. Your God is doing something new in your life. He loves you. He has redeemed you. And he is working in your soul. Don't miss it. He is doing something new, maybe like never before new. In fact, he says, do you not see it? Are you not perceiving it? Isn't it amazing how easy it is for us to miss when God is doing something in our life? When we're going through a heartache and a struggle, all of a sudden our eyes are so focused on the thing that hurts that we actually start missing the thing that God is actually doing in our lives. I just wrote these words down. I said, uh, when focused on our pains, we look past God's promises. 
We miss it. When focused on our pain, we look past God's promises. Here's another way to say it. When focused on our hurts, we look past God's healing. All too often, our pains and our hurts make it an expert of us in how it stings. You know what I'm saying? Kind of hurts just right here if I just do this. And it, like if I get up, I have to sort of stretch like the, I could explain it for hours how this hurts or how that hurts or how that stings. And right, we get to be experts in the pain of our moment. But hear me. As we stare down at the pain and the problem and the circumstance, we become an expert of the what ifs. We become an expert of the threats and the possibilities. And we miss out on God's promises and we even miss out on God's healing. Don't miss it. God in the midst of the struggle is doing something new. Everybody say new. Just say it loud, say it big. New. God is changing you. He is working in you one degree of glory at a time. May it be all for his glory. Ready? Do you perceive it? Are you seeing it? May God get all the hope. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and I will bring rivers in the desert. And that's something new. Like have you ever walked in a wilderness and all of a sudden just up from the ground, spouted up a river, and it just started flowing. Answer, yeah, no, right? This is a miracle moment. And he's like, that's what I'm doing in your life. You feel like you're in a wilderness right now. But hear me, there is going to be an amazing river of life that is going to spring up. That's what I'm doing in your life. You feel like you're in a dry desert, but I am gonna bring the waters of living life like you would not believe. Hang on. God is doing something new. Hope. And your Lord is doing something in your life. And he is ready to blow your mind with what that is and what that looks like. Are you willing to hope in him? It says to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself. He is longing to satisfy your thirst, to quench your soul, and to bring your worship up 16 million notches as you see your God enter into your life. May you be stunned as you perceive God working in you, working in your family, maybe working in this state. That would be awesome to see, right? May God do some amazing things in this state as he begins to transform thought and give more freedom back, and we begin to move towards an unbelievable worship and a rally together. I am telling you, I still tear up every time I picture when we get to get back together in mass and lift this roof off. May God get all the glory. And it's not, Lord, take away the circumstance. I get we have our responsibilities and our rights in this governmental environment, and we can be leaning in with that in the constitutional way. Yes, do that. But man, don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. May God get all the glory. And then he says at the end that they might be able to worship him and declare his praise. That they might be able to declare his praise. The new thing happening in my heart and in yours is in the face of a struggle or a trial, you praise him. 
in the midst of a risk or a potential what if, there's something happening in your soul that just brings a smile because you see the greatness of your God and you're like, yeah, but I praise my God. Hope, he is right here with me and he loves me with all he's got. And hope, he is doing an amazing transforming work, a new thing, a fresh thing like never before and it will last for all eternity. Hope, that is my God in these overwhelming times. May we hope in him. As we talk about what it is to perceive, like I said, it's so easy for us to miss it. This past week, um, my daughter Megan, our older daughter, she's actually uh, with child. And uh, so they're coming along in that journey. They were able to go and have their ultrasound. And a sweet moment is they were able to have this ultrasound done. And the ultrasounds nowadays, I mean, they've changed it a lot right now. You can get those 3D images and all that kind of stuff. So she sent an image over real quickly of, hey, check it out. And isn't my baby cute? And and, uh, sent some of those things. And I was talking about it with Jana as I'm looking at it. And let's just go ahead and throw the image up here. And, uh, you know, this is the image. And uh, I'll be honest. I I looked at it and I said, um, Baby, I don't see it. (laughs) I don't perceive it. Now, the reality is, if you can look pretty close, you can see the outline right here, the side of the face, right? And you can see his eye, and you can see what's going on with the head here. And and, um, it was a little more clear than that as we tried to bring it in, but amazing to see what God was doing. And uh, I'm telling you, here's my easy answer to my wife. I don't perceive it. I don't see it. It's so easy as you look at all the details to miss and not perceive what God is doing. To miss and not perceive the outlet that was right down here that I just tripped on. (laughs) Did you see that? The perceiving, the reality is it's so easy to miss the basics and the obvious of what God is doing. And please hear me on this. In the midst of your struggle, In the midst of your heartache, God is doing a miracle work of life. Do you perceive it? Do you see what he is doing one hurt at a time, one moment at a time? May God get all the glory. And maybe you're in a moment right now where you're like, God, I don't see it. Then this simple prayer, Lord, help me see it. I long to see you working in my life. Hope, help me perceive the new thing you're doing. Our God with us and our God doing a new thing. That brings hope. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Just say hope loudly and bigly. Hope, louder and bigger. Hope, louder and bigger. Hope. We have hope because of Jesus Christ, because of his presence in our life, and because of God doing a healing work. Let's cry out to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord. We praise you and we celebrate you. We're in awe that we can have hope because of you. We're stunned that we can have life because of you. We are not alone. 
You are right here with us. And in the middle of these struggles, we long to see you work. Lord, thank you for all that you do in our lives. May we cry out to you as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the one doing the amazing healing work. You are our righteous God. And you cry out to us, I love you. Lord, I'm in awe and I'm stunned. Lord, I just pray now that in this moment, you could hear our worship just right where you are saying, I love you, Lord. Thank you. I love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you are with me. And I am not alone. Thank you, Lord, that you are doing an amazing healing work in my life. You are making all things new. I lean on you and I trust in you. Lord, I take my heartache right now and I hand it to you. And be specific with your God. Whatever it is that has you overwhelmed, whatever hurt that has you stirred, just handing it to your God saying, Lord, this is for you. Would you do a new thing in me? Be specific as you give it to him. Hope. Amen. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that we are not alone. We thank you that you are doing a new thing in us, a stunning, new, amazing, different thing. May you get all the glory. And so we worship you and we praise you and we look to you and we celebrate your name as Savior and Redeemer and Lord, our healer victorious. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.